Hey guys, welcome to the fifth episode of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. My guest this week is, um, well, he's a comedian, but he's also uh, a tech professional and he's worked in artificial intelligence and security. And I wanted to pick his brains about deep fakes and like projecting pictures of Brad Pitt on your husband's face and then banging him like a lot of that stuff but I also wanted to talk to him about you know social media and traditional media and the role that it has played or they have played uh in getting us to where we are now following the Trumpsters storming the Capitol buildings in Washington DC uh the resulting conversation I think was um an hour of really interesting stuff getting his take on on all of these areas so please give it up for my guest this week Mr Richard Price Richard Bryce, hello. Thank you very much Hi. for joining us. How are you doing this uh, cold and, as I said on our messages a minute ago, politically terrifying morning? <laughs> well, that's a good point. It is pretty terrifying. I watched uh, I watched the whole show unfold last night. Mm. Um, but it is a nice morning here in London, at least. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, obviously, as you can tell by my accent, um, I, I was uh, rather gripped with the unfolding um, events yesterday. Right, yeah. So you're, I mean, I'm going to say broadly North American, but I, I always tread carefully with this. So are you, you're from the States or are you from Canada? or? I grew up in the U.S. Um, and there's really probably no reason to tread carefully because Canadians and Americans aren't really all that sensitive about people getting their accent wrong because we know <laughs> sound pretty much exactly alike. That being said, um, no, I grew up in the United States, but I actually am a dual national. Yes. Uh, uh, my parents uh, are, are Scottish, and uh, so yeah, that's how I live and work and have a life here in in London. Sure, yeah. And then, so when did you move over to London? Oh, a lot. I've been in London about 10 years now. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been back in the UK for, oh, a little over 15, and I've lived somewhere in Europe for, what, getting on about 30 years now. Wow, okay. So what made yeah. you kind of jump ship, if you like? Why you, you were just naturally sort of geographically curious? You thought, you know what, I, I want to go and explore the rest of the world? Or Gosh, that's... Um, I think it was, you know, a combination of opportunity, growing up back and forth between between the U.S. and Scotland, um, and just opportunity came up. Um, I think the first time I really came came over by myself was to do an internship in France. Mm, nice. That was many years ago, and um, yeah, ever since, yeah, and I moved here back in '92. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Good stuff. And um, so one of the reasons I, I was was drawn to you as a podcast guest was um, uh, your career within tech and specifically yeah. around like the AI space. And um, the, the lean of this podcast, the sort of USP I wanted to give it was a, a kind of dystopian look into um, politics and society and tech. And, uh, you know, ordinarily I have to kind of... Um, not think outside the box, but I have to kind of, you know, stretch it a little bit to go, you know, what if this happened? Or what if, if society became a bit more dystopian? And then lo and behold, like the very day lo that behold, you're like... We have yesterday. Right. And a prime example of of the confluence of tech and AI. Um, and I think, you know, a 
kind of a post-truth society. Right. Um, and then just classic rabble rising and and um, inciting of riots. Yeah. Uh, what's your all what, coming together at once? What's your it, sense of what's got us to where we are from a like tech and and media perspective? And, and as an American, yeah, tech like, and media perspective—that's mm. a good question because um, I think there's it, it, it certainly has it certainly plays an influence, but I, uh, there's a lot of other influences. So tech isn't you know it's all fine and well to say oh well we have social media now, and that's certainly a contributing factor, but it's not the only one. Mm. But in terms of 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 social media and and the tech that's available, I mean it is certainly. We live in a time now where you can both amplify your messaging at the same time you can make it very precise. Mm. In other words, what we can do in social media or any, any online media really is you can have very precise profiles mm. so that you can manipulate your messaging such that it really plays to that person's confirmation biases that really plays to um, their unconscious bias. But at the same time, you can, you can hit a massive amount of people. Mm. And that's really those two, those two variables are what are being leveraged um, in you know, the troll farms and being leveraged in you know, all kinds of different, different um, me media and marketing, whether it's products whether it's political views or whether it's um, you know just sort of the the the, the irrational diatribes that um, you know Trump does on Twitter. Yeah. Believe it, or not, I don't, I don't even have a Twitter account. Right. Well, I can tell you. You're, I mean, you're half kind of missing out because it is a lot of fun, but you're also hot. Like, don't even expose yourself to it because it's a fucking dumpster file. But that's, it's that's yeah, that's my view. I don't. I don't want to. Uh, um, when it first came out, I fooled around with it, and I just thought uh, another stream of nonsense. That's mm. the last thing in the world I want. Um, it's I did great. Get it's great for like if you're a news junkie like I am uh, to go on there and then see like like a live feed, like real time updates of what is happening on the ground in something like what went on last night. Uh, is is invaluable because then when you flip back to Sky News or, or whatever, and then you've got their correspondence. Really, all you're getting is that journalist's perspective at that time in that exact location where they are and what they can see and, and the people that they're talking to. But with Twitter, it's yeah. um, I mean, it can be quite overwhelming because you've got this, like you say, it's just a deluge of um, uh, of noise and nonsense. Yeah, and, and also you know, there's an argument that with traditional media. The journalist is at least a supposedly a professional journalist who would, you know, talk to people and and if it's if it's not an interview, then it's something that they would source and there's a responsibility there. Whereas with you know bots and shit on Twitter, what is the quality really of the information that you're getting in that? The, the bot, yeah, with the bots and and the botnets and stuff. Mm. I mean, you don't even know nowadays if you're if you're inter if you're engaging with a human being anymore. Yeah. Um, it's it's a strange world that we live in, and a lot of people, you know, myself, nobody really can distinguish. We're at that point mm. where um, it's not that hard to 
create a bot that just spews out sound bites. Mm, yeah, yeah. I added uh, a, a Chrome and extension. That volume, that volume mm. you know, across a platform like Twitter or across Facebook or wherever can very much appear mm. to be real and truth because so many people are saying this. Yeah, yeah. And it's only if you can be bothered to manually copy and paste the string like the, the sentence that's been pasted in there a thousand times that you might well, just catch that actually it is a network of bots that are all saying the same thing and spamming but, but we're all being deluged with all of this noise and information who anybody who has the time to do that yeah might want to reconsider their priorities that's just yeah yeah and nobody's doing that and 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 so what ends up happening from a psychological point of view, is that it's your your it's all around your unconscious bias, mm. and that's what, that's what they're playing on. And we all we all have them. We all have sure, these yeah. biases, and we're all vulnerable to them. Um, I think Bukowski, Charles Bukowski, the writer and poet, once said, um, uh, "You'd have to be really arrogant to think that you've escaped all the hooks and nets that are out there," mm. and um, and and it's true. So, you know, if you're seeing, you know, thousands and thousands of messages that are confirming what you want to believe. Yeah. That, you know, storming the Capitol is a really good idea. Yeah. Um, because the, the, the election was stolen and you're seeing thousands and thousands of messages confirming that mm. you buy into it. Yeah. And this is like, there's two things that I find quite depressing about about last night's events is uh, the first thing is you, you have this idea this concept of people living in bubbles and echo chambers and we've talked about mm -hmm. that a lot since brexit over here and, and trump over in the states um usually from a sort of liberal or like lefty kind of centrist standpoint like how could trump have won because everyone i know says that they voted for hillary clinton the same thing with remain it's like well everyone thought that remain was going to win so how could this possibly well it's because you're all living in your own individual bubble. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's, that's the unconscious bias. Yeah, you're, living, yeah. you're living in a bubble. However, I would say, um, you know, one needs to have boundaries. I mean, there's a point where, in my, in my view, or at least what I do, mm. is particularly online, is, you know, I'm not going to expose myself to you know, these extremist mm. views. And in fact, I'm not even going to engage with them because nothing I can say will convince them otherwise and nothing they can say will convince me otherwise and no. we're just going to end up getting into, you know, a nasty argument. Nothing, in my, for me, nothing to be gained. So it's, a, it, it's difficult. Mm. So, you know, am I in an echo chamber, um, not engaging with the other side or... Yeah, where 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 do we where do we yeah. find that balance? In other words, because I think both are legitimate. Do you think social media companies could do? Well, I know the answer to this, but uh, do you think they could or should do more in terms of policing uh, what is and is not a legitimate account? Because in my mind, I'm thinking like it's not a big ask from a web developer's perspective or like a, a middleware developer to be able to construct some software that just checks if the person that says that they're living in michigan is uh, is actually in michigan 
You know, like it's That's a really so now 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 you're coming up my tech alley because right. I work my my main my main area is cybersecurity, mm. and um, that's a really good point because it isn't. And that's a pretty fundamental thing mm. in cybersecurity: authentication. Yeah, is this is this source authentic? Yeah, and are they authorized to do and say the things that they're doing and saying and accessing? Mm. That's pretty fundamental stuff. So there's a lot of technology out there to to allow for that level of authentication. Um, so it's definitely doable. Yeah. Uh, and the social media platforms are doing a lot. And I think, you know, Facebook has, you know, for example, implemented a number of measures to, to verify the authenticity of, of users and user accounts. There's obviously lots and lots of caveats to this. Mm. Um, one that comes to mind is some people that are going through some kind of transition. Mm. In their life, whether it's a gender transition or or whatever transition they're going through, and they want to create a persona on online, was well, that authentic or is it not authentic? Um, yeah. I, get, I don't know. I'm not going to get into that debate, but um, it's a legitimate. I think it's a legitimate legitimate caveat. But all of those things can be sorted out. Um, the question then is. Um, is there a place for anonymity then online? Yeah, um, I suppose that's the thing. There's, some, there's like value a, to there's value to anonymity. Yeah, it becomes a sort of free speech in the modern era kind of uh, debate. Then it's like I should be able to go on and join the conversation uh, and and play with some ideas it's in a similar way to how stand-up comedians do. Like they should be able to stand on a stage and say some nonsensical rubbish. And then if it, yeah. if it floats, if there's some claps afterwards, then great. But if there's not, then it sinks without trace, and it's you know no harm, no foul. And and, and it's the only way you can write comedy. Right. Uh, it's all you know. You you can sit and write stuff, but I need to do it in front of an audience to see if it lands or not. Yeah. And it, I, it's the only way. I suppose the 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 comeback on that or the the counter argument to that is that if you or the difference would be that if a stand up comedian goes into you know a dive bar and then tries some outrageous jokes uh, and there's silence the worst thing that happens is that the comedian hangs his head in shame or goes and buys a drink and then walks up the stairs and then leaves and then that's the end of it and and maybe a that's few people yeah. say uh, oh did you see that guy that aid guy oh that was fucking terrible like that's the end yeah. of it though Whereas a guy yeah, goes stakes. on Twitter, there's a question. There's definitely a question of of stakes, yeah, that, um, and criticality. That you know, certainly, if the president of the United States is posting rubbish on Twitter, the stakes are much much higher mm. than if me, I you know, if I bomb on the night and my my horrific jokes don't land. Yeah. yeah, those are worlds apart in terms of. Of stakes, but we're get, what we're getting into is you know what is and isn't true, um, which at the risk of getting overly philosophical, mm. uh, it, it's it's a question that um, has plagued the intel intelligence community for well ever since there's been intelligence. Mm. Um, it's it, 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 because we have so much information online now. Um, you know, your average schmo like you and me are now being exposed to the reality that 
truth is a much more complex thing. It's not binary. Yeah. Things aren't just true and not true. It's why we have fuzzy logic. It's why we have um, these greys. And um, that's true. That's I remember hearing a guy and, 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 talk about. Um, like the difference in in news and media now was that like back in the 60s or 70s if a, if a political scandal broke it would be on the front page of let's say three newspapers and then it would be on like cbs news and abc right that night and then everyone would hear it or see it on the news and then they would all be shocked they'd be like i can't believe nixon did this or i can't believe but now what happens is people say oh did you hear that trump Trump's tax returns show that he's fucking broke. And the the instinctive reaction is like people go, oh, where'd you hear that? And you go on the news and they go, not my news. <laughs> like people have their yeah. own individual well, that's, again, confirmation. That's confirmation yes. bias. Once you've built this model of perfection or, or you've built a model of, of what you think the president is or whatever, any information you get from that point forward yeah. will You'll just say, "Oh, well, that's got to be fake news." But what is truth is is a little more complicated. Um, I mean, first, you know, what they do in the intel community is, I mean, there's loads of ways of doing this. But the idea is, you know, knowing something to be true, mm. knowing something to be false, and then the uncertainty. Right. You know, how certain are we this particular fact is true? And then, but then how, how would you, can you give us... are we that this particular fact is false? And once you introduce uncertainty and unconscious bias, yeah. that's when everything kind of goes up in smoke. And... Can you give us an now, example of that, like from an intelligence perspective? Oh, um... <sighs> A particular target, um, you're trying to identify a target and you need to know whether it's a legitimate yeah. military target or it's not. Right. And you've got loads and loads of information coming in saying different things. Um, so now you've got lots of uncertainty as to legitimacy. You don't even – maybe that isn't even a target. Maybe the thing doesn't even exist. Yeah. Someone has deliberately injected some information into your pool of data to say, yes, there's a target there. Yeah. So, oh, I see. Right. So let's let's imagine that there's a, uh, you know, a war room um, with a few decision makers in there and they've got intelligence like analysis coming in. And someone yeah. says this wedding in Beirut is actually uh, a front for. Um, at like a terrorist meeting or something and then is it the sort of scenario where you would then have to that's go away a better example than the one i just came up with yeah that's a good example whereby you're 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 in a situation where you're getting different information and, and then do you have to qualify like where you heard that from how reliable that source is and whether they might be telling you that it is a terrorist Meetup. Provenance, provenance is key. Right, right. I provenance see. is key to, to you know, is it a legitimate source? And this comes back to what we were saying originally: authentication. Mm. Yeah. Is this on? Is this an authentic source? Is this even a reliable source? So why don't? Why I don't mean, obviously, Twitter... a troll farm is not a reliable source, but we've not authenticated it. Yeah. We don't even know it's a troll farm. Why don't Twitter just put something like that in? Then, what do you think the reason is for it? Um. 
Well, I'll, I'll put myself in Twitter's shoes. There's there's legal reasons that it make it's difficult for them because, um, in fairness to Twitter and Facebook, it's really hard for them to be the final arbiters of truth mm. because it is far too complicated. There's too many sources, and who are they to say? Um, it, it can be complicated. The, your wedding example is really good. Is it a wedding or is it actually a terrorist meeting? Mm. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like from different sources. Like, but wait, 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 wait. Let me ask sorry, the question. Sure, yeah, yeah. 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 So from so from a legal perspective, you know, I think it's unfair and actually unrealistic to expect them to be the final arbiters of truth. But I think they could do more to identify. Um, legitimate sources mm. authentication authenticate is that is that real but then we have to ask you know is there is there is there a place for anonymity mm. because if everybody has to uh, you know show that they are legitimate then um yeah it sort of goes back to your it, example it, before. yeah so and that's that's the quagmire that 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 the social media finds itself in it's impossible for them to be the final arbiters of of what is and isn't true, although they're doing a pretty good job on the extreme. So, for example, when 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 Trump was posting it, you know, the election was stolen. They'll automatically put in a disclaimer. Yeah, but that's on an extreme. But that's in a situation where we know for a fact something to be false. Yeah, I see. I mean, I still I feel like. They could do more. I mean, they could just like, like, wait. If if I'm bored one day and I decide I want to put some rubbish out into the ether, uh, and I'm going to start a rumor that Les Dennis has sex with livestock a lot. Uh, okay. So I go onto Twitter. I set up a brand Let, new. Hang account. on a sec. Mm. To, to make this even more interesting, let's assume that that's actually true. Okay. Because it, from a legal point of view, then that becomes an even more interesting thing. All right. Okay. Let's let's play with the idea. Um, so Les Dennis routinely has sex with livestock. Uh, I've somehow uncovered this scandal, and I go on to uh, Twitter because I want to get it out in the open. Um, I set up a brand new account. Uh, it's just an egg. It's, it's anonymous. Um, okay. I use one of the usernames that Twitter suggests, <clears throat> and it's just like, you know, John57821, uh, and then I put it on there. And somebody, by hook or by crook, is searching for Les Dennis' story, sees this, retweets it to their followers, and it catches fire and snowballs or, or whatever. Now, what what responsibility does Twitter have to have put in a feature or restriction uh to, to stop anonymous accounts like that with their first tweet or first 10 tweets or 20 tweets um, that they are then not automatically like that they can't go viral basically like you can use Twitter you can read other people's tweets you can even favorite them or retweet them but your ability to just sign up for a brand new account and then start spreading shit especially when I mean in, in this example now we're saying Les Dennis does do this but even if he does or did there is still, what, like centuries of legal precedence there to protect him from that information going straight out. Exactly. That's why I said let's pretend that it's true for a minute. Right. Because, because that's still defamation. Yeah. Even if it's true, it's defamation. Who's liable? 
from a legal point of view, Twitter holds some liability mm. because they were the platform on which, um, you know, that 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 horrific uh, piece of information was spread. That bit of defamation. Mm. And it, it, I mean, it goes back to authentication. You know, should Twitter um, authenticate each account? I'm I'm on the fence because I think there's still some value in anonymity, um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's about the only. I mean, imagine not just some schmo doing that. Mm. Imagine Troll Farm doing that. Yeah, create thousands of accounts. Yeah. I mean, because that's how it goes viral. It isn't just one schmo and then somebody picks up on it. It's the thousands of, of, of troll accounts. And it's not just, you know, John123. Mm. You know, they've gone to, these troll farms have gone to some level of, of sophistication where that profile looks very real. This is they've something. They've got photographs. Yeah. They've got profile they've they've got some tweets so it, it all looks and pretty and it looks they're, real they're like not new accounts either have you seen those ones where it's like you know this person oh, yeah, has yeah, been yeah, online yeah. since 2010 yeah. and you're like vintage troll farm all of that so these are looking incredibly legitimate mm. and there's hundreds of probably well globally there's mm. millions and millions and millions of these 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 fake accounts um, you know, pumping all of this 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 nonsense um, and rubbish um, and defamation in some cases. So that's how it ends up going viral. Mm. So, so, but the thing is, though, um, it's all fine and well to say, well, Twitter, you 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 go fix it. Um, Facebook, you go fix it. But it's a difficult thing to fix, and unfortunately, our legislation. Mm. Uh, our government, our legal process isn't sophisticated enough mm. uh, to, to legislate this sort of thing. I mean, just think about when, you know, the Cambridge Analytica uh, story broke and they were, they were um, interviewing uh, people from Cambridge Analytica and so forth in the U.S. Congress. Mm. And some of the questions the congressmen were asking mm. were shocking. For me, yeah. it was shocking. And I thought... Why? Why are you even here? I mean, one of them, thinking he was being really clever, wanted to ask all about Ethernet. Yeah, yeah. I when you know when I connect my laptop, does that have anything to do with this? Yeah. Well, kind of. In in a way that so, they both got cables, but that's. Uh... <laughs> it will exactly. So you you and in you know fairness to you know these you know perhaps older or 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 less tech savvy. Um, legislators mm. um you know in fairness to them they're not they're not experts in it's quite not, annoying though isn't it like they're completely ignorant to it so it's difficult to get our government to come up with good legislation to just push it onto twitter and say will you fix it because they're overwhelmed they're like yeah how do we, how do we authenticate all of these bloody troll farms it's fine like um, as a as a guy that watched some of the footage from those hearings uh i remember thinking probably what's happened here is that they've got a team of advisors who actually know a little bit about this stuff uh but they as the congressman or senator or whatever um they can't like they want to be on tv being seen to be challenging big tech and asking tough questions and so on so they i imagine insist on being the one that asks the questions or maybe that's a uh 
a law that only senators and only congressmen can ask the actual and sit there. Well, in that, house. the narcissistic, that. the narcissistic, you know, personality type mm. is going to be attracted to being a politician. So they're of course going to put themselves in a position that's way beyond their capability. Yeah, <laughs> but then the, the unfortunate, like the the inversion of it is that like the narcissism should dictate, like should force you to put yourself in a position where you look good. But put, forcing yourself in front of the cameras with the lights on you and everything and looking ignorant about this stuff and asking questions that are completely irrelevant makes you look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, but that's what they do. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's difficult. And also, uh, a corollary to that, you know, let's say Twitter says that's it. No more troll farms. You're going to have to present some kind of ID, and we're going to go through some process to authenticate you. The technology's there, mm. and it can be done. It might be onerous, but there's another thing around, you know, AI and um, big data and tracking. Mm. Um, I'm not personally comfortable with the level of tracking that is currently done, and it's not the government I'm worried about. It's these big corporations. You know, Google, Apple, Amazon, um, Facebook, yeah. um, Twitter, they are all tracking you know, your every movement on online. Why? And they're using... Why is that? Why like, doing, yeah. Oh, that's insanely valuable information. Is it just as innocent as, look, we want to know where you go on a daily basis and who you interact with so that we can use it to sell to advertisers and direct marketing to you? Is it that sort of, you know, shameless? And that, that's, that's a huge part of it. And that's the biggest driver is um, it goes all around, you know, profile statistics and big data, whereby um, it's not so much a question of you know, they don't, nobody really cares, you know, that you had a phone call with your nan no. or what was said during that conversation. What it is, is it's creating a, um, a psychological profile yeah. of you. It's figuring out what your unconscious biases are. And that's quite easily done. Um, and that's why all of those stupid, you know, memes pop up, you know, which of these two do you like? It's actually, it's a psycholo psychology test that you've just been tricked into to playing. And then they create profiles. And with those profiles, that's how they know how to um, how to make the, the messaging more precise. Like I was saying at the beginning, mm. we live in an era where you can both amplify your message but also make it very precise. So you've got all of these profiles for all of these people because they've all been clicking away, yeah. and that's all been tracked. And you know these guys over here, you know they're a bit they're a bit authoritarianists, and you know a very authoritarian messaging you know works really well on them. But these these you know liberals over here, they like the the, the freedom messaging. Yeah. So you you build the messaging for freedom, but you're 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 still manipulating. Yeah, yeah. People I think the thing towards a, a a an objective, either to buy something, mm. to believe something for a political uh, opinion, so that they vote a certain way, and we are seeing it being used for um, some pretty nefarious things to believe something that's absolutely untrue mm. like Russia didn't invade Crimea well they did <laughs> but they put out all of this messaging and there was enough of it that some people just doubted it and didn't know what was true yeah I think I sort of sit 
I'm not on the fence, but I'm not far off the fence, if that makes sense. So, like, with data collection, I understand and accept that these companies do collect data, and it doesn't particularly bother me if they then sell that to Coca-Cola or, um, I don't know, Bank, who make this monitor that I'm looking at, um, to decide if I'm within their target demographic that they want to sell more shit to. It doesn't, doesn't really... Maybe it bothers some people that their personal data, like they feel a bit violated. But for me, it doesn't. I'm actually almost grateful that the adverts that I'm going to see as a result of that collection are going to be more relevant to me. Because frankly, when you watch, you know, catch up TV or something uh, and you get more uh, refined, uh, specific adverts, it's not as annoying as when you watch terrestrial TV. And then, you know, I'm a 40 year old man and I'm sat there watching adverts about tampons. Um, so that side of things doesn't really bother me. But I think where I and a lot of people kind of get off the train is like the the fear factor when you think, well, OK, it starts with Coca-Cola and bank. But does it finish with foreign governments or domestic governments who then decide, right, we don't want to give childcare to anyone that um, like childcare vouchers or something to anyone that doesn't tick these five boxes? And then suddenly, through no fault of your own, because you behaved in a certain way on the internet, um, or because your profile doesn't tick enough boxes, then you're restricted. Like that begins to then feel very um, big brothery, very 1984, you know? Well, let me ask you then. Mm. Let's look at it a different way. We all accept that we all have unconscious bias, mm-hmm. and that's a vulnerability in everyone. And if it's a vulnerability, it can be exploited. So we all have these unconscious biases. And if I can, fi- if I can know what your biases are, mm. I can create messaging that manipulates that. Mm-hmm. And it can manipulate you to do or believe all sorts of things that you wouldn't perhaps ordinarily, or for that matter, go quite against your your values. And that's what it comes down to for me, is whilst I'm, you know, I'm, I too am not that fussed with, you know, using this mechanism to get me to buy more Coke, because I've lived with advertising and, and that my whole life, and I pretty much accept it. Mm. But that's not what's happening. It's not just to buy more Coke. It's to storm the capital. Mm. Yeah, four, t- four people are dead now. It's not just to, to buy coke. It's also um, to cover up the fact that Russia invaded Crimea. And um, in that process, they shot down a, a passenger aircraft where 500 people were killed. Yeah. So I'm personally not comfortable with... Um, with that mechanism just being allowed to be used um, with no regulation whatsoever because I am vulnerable to it. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are vulnerable to this and tracking this much of information allows that to be happening because if by tracking all of your information, all the things that you click, then you can start identifying what that person's biases are mm. and how their, their, their psychological profile works. And once you've done that, you can start getting that messaging just right for them so that they believe whatever you want them to believe mm. and do something that is you know quite against their values or quite dangerous but serves serves your mm. 
your needs. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. And that's exactly what we saw yesterday. They never call it radicalization, do they, when it's somebody that's been fed a load of rubbish on Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever, and it has manipulated them into truly believing uh, that that someone is stealing the election from them, that this is a threat to America. Um, in the same way, the exact same way they believe, as... They believe it hook, line and sinker oh, now. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is the same exercise as happens in the Middle East when, you know, a sheikh says to five young guys, like, you know, these Americans are trying to steal the blah, blah, blah. And they, they get radicalised into thinking that this is some sort of holy war that I need to be fighting and then I can go up to heaven and, you know? Yeah, I think maybe radicalising is a good word for it because... Um, but that's they never call it that. Though. The mechanism is the same. Yeah. But social media, the point of the matter is, is it, it, it it's massively amplified. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. and size. So you know the sheik just saying this, he's only going to be able to have one messaging, mm. and hit you know a, a fairly small audience. Whereas these troll farms can have thousands and thousands of different messaging, and hit hundreds of thousands possibly millions of of people yeah and through things like well a b testing is probably not so um prevalent with like bot farms and something but I, and stuff but i imagine that there's there are uh implementations that are similar to a b testing so like they might send you advert one that says uh crimea was liberated on this day two years ago or something and maybe you don't believe that. That's a little bit too hard for you. So you just keep scrolling. Well, now they can see that you've been online and that you scrolled right past it. You didn't click on it. So now they know to tweak it. Let's feed in option B. Um, and that's, that's exactly the one. It. And then they, I guess that gets logged in the database that B was more successful than A. A gets retired. B is now the dominant one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to move on actually a little bit from um, sure. storming the Sorry. capital. It's it's my my particular area sure of yeah no it's all interesting stuff interest professionally so yeah um i wanted to talk a little bit <laughs> this is slightly contentious but um i've wondered about this for a while right so uh with actually it's not completely unrelated to to events of uh, the last couple of days but um with deep fake uh, technology um we like last week we heard a phone call taped of Donald Trump basically begging uh, the Georgian senator to find eleven thousand votes, uh, and it, it sort of it went viral, and all the people that you think would care about it really cared about it, and all the people who didn't pay any attention didn't pay any attention. Um, but let's say that on the tape he had admitted uh, murdering someone, um, something something undeniably bad that should end his career immediately and land him in jail um how far away do we think we are from an ai professional's perspective from audio of someone like donald trump admitting that and it being deep fake audio and it causing a storm that's a good question i don't i don't know the answer okay but um I think deep fake technology is, in light of everything we've just said, mm. um, from my perspective, I find it a little alarming mm. because 
you know, if this video confirms your you're already held bias, even though it's fake, mm. you're going to believe it. It looks real. Yeah. I mean, heck, we're able to do that this with absurd headlines. Now there's video. Yeah. I mean, how much? I mean, I, seeing is believing, isn't it? So um, I think it's quite alarming, and I I actually don't know. I mean, I be, I can barely figure out how we can control you know the headlines to be accurate, um, let alone you know these videos that that will surely be um, prolifer proliferating um, soon. I, well, the, and the, being designed by teams of people mm. um, with a lot of sophistication and know-how to make them look as real as as they can. Yeah, uh, it's coming. Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, I I heard a, an example. He didn't name who had generated it, but it was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and it was an example deep fake audio, so no video. Uh, and it was of him and it wasn't just snippets from different podcasts and stuff it was computer generated audio um of him talking about a basketball team uh, or like a baseball team comprised entirely of chimpanzees just to make it obviously ridiculous and something that he had never actually discussed but it sounded i'm not going to say it sounded a hundred percent it sounded about ninety percent so, like, if you listened very carefully, you could detect a couple of little, like, tiny glitches. But if you didn't know that you were listening to deepfake audio, you would have taken it as gospel because it sounded exactly like You would guess like the little bits and then throw a little bit of uh, unconscious bias on top of that. Right. And you've got a winner. Yeah. And I'm thinking, so this was about 18 months ago or a couple of years ago that he played that. And he was like, you know, the future's going to be weird, guys. And I'm thinking... If that's two years ago and how quick both you and I know tech moves, I have to assume that somebody from that team has, you know, gone on, done their own thing or been contracted by a foreign government or one of like our governments. And so it's coming. I can't see it taking much longer than like six months or a year before the first like Biden tape comes out where it sounds like him. I couldn't possibly comment on how long because deep fake technology has been around for quite a while now mm. um but at the same time i see your point you know the the speed at which not just technology goes but the speed at which um you know these troll farms and this false messaging goes mm. uh, is 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 radical um you know they're already making very sophisticated um very real looking profiles mm. you know now let's throw some video on top of that you know not just a meme of an eagle being badass but you know <laughs> yeah whatever i you know i i'm not that creative i can't even even conceive of what video i might make to con manipulate people but surely they're out there like you're saying you know biden saying something incendiary or yeah whatever i can't see it being Far off, where a deep fake video goes viral and people believe it, and they'll and and what will happen at that point is there'll be a whole camp of people that doubt its legitimacy, and a whole bunch that'll say no, it is real. Yeah, and then you get into that really deep philosophical argument of what is true, right. what isn't. How do you know? Yeah, it's a, you weren't there, and then. It just becomes this absurd area where there'll be a significant 
part of the population that will believe it, mostly because they want to believe it, but mm. yeah, they will, you know? It will become the situation... We can't, we can't possibly be far away from that. Yeah. It'll be one of these situations where uh, the trajectory of it will be um, there's video footage of, uh, yeah, like Biden admitting to something scandalous. Uh, it will be broadcast on Fox News because Fox News don't want to fall behind the Internet. In term, like, So they'll just retail it out. Uh, or Russia Today will do it. Yeah. Or, and, uh, uh, yeah, there's numerous illegitimate or pseudo-legitimate um, sources. Or it'll come out on one of the obviously illegitimate right-wing crazy sites or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It'll go viral. And yeah. then, like, because CNN or MSNBC don't report it, uh, all of the guys, like, they'll say, oh, well, we've looked into it and we have determined that actually it's a deep fake. Uh, but then all of, like, the Newsmax, Fox News guys will just be like, oh, well, yeah, co like, covering up for your boy again. I get it. So it's going to be this situation where the truth exactly. is it's subjective. It's going to be, that's not my truth. I believe that he actually said that. It's on tape. I've seen it. And that, but that's that's already happened mm. numerous times. Not specifically with a deep fake video or a deep fake audio mm. um, at its core, but um, it's already happened. I mean, that's why I bring up Crimea all the time mm. because that's what's ha that happened. Yeah, in Crimea, Russia invaded, and you know, just the fact that you know the soldiers tore off their their insignia doesn't mean it wasn't Russia yet. You know, they, 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 you know, bombarded and injected a false narrative into, into the media stream. And it was enough to create that, that doubt, just as you're saying. And some media sources were reporting it and some weren't. And it was enough that because of, effectively, because of confirmation bias and a number of other things, there were some people that now were invested in believing one narrative yeah. and or another narrative. Um, Do you ever think it'd be funny to like, because like, bot, which, bot, which one's true? Bot farms which spend is. a lot of time sending out uh, like distorted, uh, nefarious narratives to stuff. Like, do you ever think it'd be funny to just contract in a Russian bot farm and its only purpose is to just construct a narrative that is entirely positive and like <laughs> hippy dippy, just. At like oh like like the Mandela effect kind of like rumor in was it that in the eighties where everyone said that he died I actually but he hadn't really like that idea that I've never even thought of doing but with like a good comic twist to it yeah I mean instinctively I'm thinking Les Dennis fucking livestock but maybe we should go for a bit more positive than that maybe something less def uh, yeah uh, def defamatory is that a word less defamation and and more uh, more comical yeah like a sort of like you know the rumors the 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 sort of jokes about chuck norris where they say you know chuck norris once fucking killed a guy with like but like the, the exaggerated died yeah, so yeah. Me, died but something like that about a kind of a guy celebrity there was, there was a there there was a similar thing about a guy walking on water oh, really? and turning water into wine. Mm. Heard about that guy? Or he um, great. yeah, yeah, I think he was a pretty nice guy. Or speaking of this, I think you saw when um, Rudy Giuliani did the press conference in between like a a porn yeah. shop and. Um, like a crematorium <laughs> or something, the parking lot of of Four Seasons landscaping. Yeah, 
I mean, that's the sort of thing I would like to inject into the media stream. But I think that one seemed like it did happen. Yeah. But did it? Now I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, it's almost like, are they as clever as they would have to be to think to think ahead of time and go, look, if we do it in between a dildo shop, you know, like out in a car park of the Four Seasons Whatever Nobody's going to believe that. That's utterly absurd yeah. that they will. So I then mean, the next time we do some things... crazy shit, they won't believe that either. So it's all about distorting and, you know, making yeah. people not I mean, that's how, religions, that's how religions are created. Mm. Right. That's how religions are created. So, But maybe we could come up with um, something with a comedy angle to it. I've, I kind of like this idea. Never really thought of doing it. Yeah. But, I think uh, we picked like a C-list celebrity like... Um, I don't know. See, this is where I'm showing my total lack of knowledge of like reality shows. It's hugely embarrassing for me. Um, let's think. Who's... You should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> not being up to date on your reality shows. Quite frankly, yeah. I, I occasionally I have watched some. Like when my girlfriend's like, "Can we just watch something trashy tonight and just pass out to it?" Uh, but that is exactly what happens. I turn it on for her, and then I'm out like a light. Um, but maybe somebody like. Um, Who's the guy that, like, one of those, like, pretty guys that was on Love Island, like, three or four years ago? Like, we could start a bot farm, and all it is there for is to send out this narrative that he, I don't know, fucking ate a crocodile in one, or saved, saved like, a village of African children by killing a dragon, or so, I don't know, something outrageous would be good. About, I, I was thinking more, just go down the absurd angle might be more fun, like, uh, you know, he he's... He's joined the circus, and now he identifies as a dwarf clown. Sure, yeah, I'm supportive uh, of this. Yeah, actually six foot tall. And, you know, what, how do we feel about this? Should we change his pronoun to <laughs> clown or something? Yeah, just, the more absurd, the funnier. That's why that whole, you know, Four Seasons landscaping thing was just – it was so good – I mean, it it was like from a sketch show. Yeah, it it looked to me like the end of an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It was so fucking exactly retarded. that you're just like, but it was true. So I want to come up with something as brilliant as Four Seasons landscaping, and then get that into make that go viral, yeah. and then everyone's debating: did it happen or didn't it? Yeah, it's like sort of trying to get your comedic creativity up to the same level as their incompetence. And that's no small task. No small task. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk um, sex robots, Richard. Um, okay, sure. So this is, this is something else I wanted to chat about. Um, so I, I was watching the Elon Musk uh, press conference about his uh, Neuralink. Is he a sex robot? No, no, oh, I don't think okay. so. Robot, right. maybe not sex robot. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he, so he was doing his press conference about Neuralink, and he put the Neuralink into the pig, and then they showed some like uh, graphs and stuff of like what the pig was thinking and and so on. Um, but anyway, like as he was talking about what the potential was for Neuralink, and that it as it goes through its various iterations and new generations and stuff then it could get to a point where the blind can see and you could have like lenses and the lenses would sort of give you a, like you would basically be 
a cyborg you'd be connected to the internet always you'd always have access to information i have quite bad tinnitus so for me i was thinking maybe it can give me but better hearing or you know so the possibilities of having this thing connected to your brain are, are pretty limitless and i was thinking because i'm you know the natural point that you go to is like what could this do for my sex life so I was thinking well, that's you know, that's the big thing about really big you know te- technology it only ever becomes really big when it can be applied to pornography or sex right and that's true for all all certainly media based technology i mean you know the internet obviously yeah uh, dvds obviously sure. you know vhs you know, it didn't really take off until you could go to your your neighborhood VHS rental place and get porn. Really? So, <laughs> I, that that's my theory at least. Yeah, I so, can see that. It's like um, this, your cyborg chip. If it can be applied to um, sex somehow, then yeah, it's definitely going to take off and, and 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 be viable. I wondered if, like, just kind of linking back to the deep fake stuff, you could have lenses that would eye track in the same way that you know you have these selfie apps and they can detect where your eyes are and put filters on your face you could eye track say your husband and then project like brad pitt's face onto your husband that you then see there you go yeah and wives and girlfriends and stuff would be fucking brad pitt and the guys would be happy because they would just be you know like i'm getting a lot of sex at the moment but then it's also like Sounds both practical and bleak at the same time. Yeah, it sort of treads this it. line of like, you know, at what, like we were talking earlier about what is the truth and what is a lie when you get into this arena. But it's like, what is cheating? Like for centuries, we've been thinking cheating is when I go down the road and then bang one of the milkmaids or, you know, something like that. But now it's like, well, what if you're shagging me? But thinking about, you know, and I would have no access, presumably, to what you're seeing in your lenses. So it's like, were you were you shagging me last night or were you? did you put the Brad Pitt mask on me again? Like, like, do you think I don't think we're that far away from that either? I think if Neuralink takes off, that'll be some people are into that, you know, like putting a real mask on their partner. Sure. That's a, that's a thing. Les Dennis could um, like put livestock on a human. Some, some people are into that. I'm. <laughs> Not personally, but you know, I live in a world where you know you, you know, you tolerate that kind of, kind of diversity. But sex robots. So you other sex robots. My my. I remember I saw there was a they come out with this new sex. Oh, I don't know if it was a robot, but a sex doll. Yeah, and it could yeah. talk. Yeah, and that was like the big thing. It could talk, and I thought I couldn't understand why would anyone want the doll to talk because i i thought that was the point yeah that didn't they didn't talk yeah i mean maybe if it's giving you the sports scores or something like that then you're like well okay in that case that's that's all right but yeah i that you kind of want to turn it off that i thought was the point but apparently (laughs) some, some dudes are into that some dudes are into projecting livestock onto their doll sure yeah it'd have go a deep fake directly into their retina i guess it's like like where you're talking about you know they you, you may or may not want them to talk it's like people would want a sex robot that is as authentic as possible <laughs> up to yes. exactly that point and then they'd be like and just make it quiet 
Just yeah, no no moaning, no nagging. No nagging, no moaning, and yeah, I'm not going to make a cup of tea afterwards. No, no. But um, but yeah, like I so I started talking about sex robots, and then I went off into sort of you know lenses and deep fakes and stuff. But like the the examples I've seen of sex robots, uh, have been, I think, progressively more realistic over the last like five. 10 years or so because i remember like the first first news report i saw of one i was like i mean who the fuck who is fucking that that's like like that would be a creepy uncle kind of thing you know but then that recently they like they do look a bit more i mean i don't think i'd bang one still unless we're talking an ex ex machina is that the name of the movie ex machina i don't know i think so i i think i vaguely recall a film like that yeah where the guy i, I don't he was like an entrepreneur sort of tech guy and he had all these sex robots and stuff and me and a friend of mine were like i mean they do look pretty hot but i'm I, well i mean it's lockdown and i live alone so i mean anything goes. my standards are really quite low at the moment <laughs> so yeah i feel you i feel you um and then uh i know we've been chatting for a while so i don't want to keep you too much longer but i just want to talk a little bit about um and i suppose this is where well, firstly, I might need you to define what the difference is between like AI and machine learning, because I'm getting interested in both of them. But I don't really know. I don't want to feel like a dick when I'm telling people like, yeah, you know, I want to learn machine learning. And then actually really what I'm talking about is AI. Or are they both kind of interchangeable terms? There's certainly um, there's certainly overlap. I mean, AI is, I mean, effectively a more generic term, whereas machine learning is you know kind of a specific application of it right. where first of all it's machine to machine okay not person to person it's machine learning and um and it tends to be used in in quite specific applications particularly you know industrial control systems um it's used in maybe financial um an analysis systems think things of that nature whereas ai is really kind of a more broad broad idea where from an IBM perspective you know we like we use the term cognitive mm. uh, you'll see a lot of uh, IBM marketing use that word um, and I think the thinking is that anything that has you know a, a cognitive element to it is 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 probably AI and machine learning would have a cognitive element to it right okay. so you could argue that machine learning is an application of AI but AI it's it's a very broad broad thing and what it meant in the 70s or how it was being envisioned is very different from you know what, what we have now we have ai nowadays sure we, we have systems that i think we would all agree are definitely ai um so i guess that's kind of the difference of right what is ai and in fact, i think there's even some machine learning that you might even say oh, that doesn't really seem like artificial intelligence mm. uh, yeah, I always think of like, the the loosest or simplest idea or, or example of AI for me as a consumer is usually those sort of like auto message back bot things that, you know, you go on Argos and it says like, can we help you? And then you ask it a question and it off it goes and gives you something resembling a response that sounds like a human talking to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But all of this troll farming and everything we've been talking about around social media yeah. and and this sort of post-truth world that we now live in, you know, to me that is all AI. Yeah. And um, 
Sure. Some of it even is machine learning. So, What's the the most frightening example of AI or or most frightening project that you've heard of so far? Where you're like, that does not sound good. (laughs) Is there anything that scares you or are you kind of relaxed? I'll be honest, Crimea rattled me. Mm. Because it was was quite obvious what was happening and you could see it unfolding Mm. in social media and then and then and then that that false messaging and that false narrative got into you know the the mainstream media Mm. and it was all clearly deliberate but is that rap and that is there um, like a, a project within like a company or a government somewhere where somebody said like oh yeah like have you heard that you know Neuralink is starting this project and basically what they're trying to do is connect blah 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 like and then you're there as a a tech not, professional not, and you're like I'm not sure it would be appropriate for me to talk about any of those oh, right, things sure okay yeah. podcast. I mean if, if it's uh, sensitive information obviously yeah fine well it would be naturally it would be um just by the very nature of the the question yeah I mean if it so, helps Basically, nobody's going to watch or listen to this, so it's you know. It's... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, indeed, um, they probably won't. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, well, I'll give you an example of um, a position that IBM took. Yeah. Um, and this was at the at the the, the corporate level. I think Ginny Ginny Romney was the CEO at the time, and I think she had a say in in this decision. And obviously, so. From a cyber perspective, there's there, there's basically two um, positions. There's 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 defensive cyber where you protect your network firewalls, blah blah blah, and offensive cyber where you go and you know infiltrate and collect information and maybe even attack yeah. someone else's um, information system. So there's two postures you can have: offensive and defensive. And naturally, our governments in particular. Um, but likewise, even corporations participate in both mm. actively um, defending their networks, but also actively um, um, doing offensive cyber. And IBM made a decision at the corporate level um, to um, not participate in any uh, offensive cyber type uh, activities, um, even even if it was you know uh, for legitimate governments, you know. Well, we could argue is the UK a legitimate government? Oh, the US, they're evil empire, blah, blah, blah. But um, even 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 these governments, they've 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 just they've made a corporate decision at the highest level to not participate in those sorts of activities. And there was, in fact, um, a bit of a scandal. It was big, a bigger scandal in Asia, whereby there was a project um, out in Singapore. In fact. A legitimate project for a legitimate bank, but part of that project was um, developing offensive cyber technology so that this bank could spy on their competitors. Right. And it came out and it got into the news and like, oh my God, IBM is an evil giant corporation doing this terrible thing. Um, the reality was it was it was fairly a fairly legitimate project. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know nasty Russian troll farms, you know, trying to incite riots. It was, you know, a little less uh, unsavory as that. So the point is, um, IBM then made a, corp- a, a, a corporate decision to, um, you know, remove itself from any of those those kinds of projects. Yeah, that's quite much, a... Much, 
much to my chagrin because I quite enjoy those sorts of things. <laughs> I was going to say like that's quite an unusually and depressingly rare ethical stance to take for a global yeah. conglomerate. Like, I mean, if you look at people like HSBC have been, you know, dragged through the mud for <laughs> funneling money like billions from drug dealers and shit. And then whenever they yeah. get caught for it, it's like, ah, all right, we'll pay the fine, you know? Um, yeah, indeed. And probably the fines are a lot less than whatever they made in doing yeah. the, the crime in the first place. Um, it was it, Indeed, it was both an ethical stance and IBM. And now I'm going to sound like I'm preaching IBM. Um, but the reality is IBM has a, has a, a fairly um, uh, impressive history and legacy in, in taking ethical, you know, taking the ethical stance. But it wasn't a purely ethical decision. Mm. Um, you know, what happened in Singapore um, was quite scandalous, and it did damage IBM's reputation. Um, so there's there's a clear reputational um, issue at stake. They don't. IBM doesn't want to be involved in anything like you know the Ed Snowden scandal. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. He exposed the Prism project and. And everyone's like, oh, Prism's awful. I'm not convinced it necessarily was, but that's maybe for another podcast. Sure. The point is, it wasn't purely ethical. They made a very, um, you know, it was also a business decision. They didn't want to be exposed to that kind of uh, bad press, effectively, and, 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 and look bad. Um, and, and the ethics of it as well. Yeah, yeah. So... Okay, um, I could talk to you for hours, man. Like, uh, I had a stack more questions. I'd love to. Uh, I, you know, I'll do. I'd, on, but... I'd be delighted to do another podcast. Sure. This was, was fun for me too because I'm here in you know lockdown with very little to do and um, not a lot of human contact. Sure. Yeah. Well, I... and I get to and I get to pontificate. Yeah. As... I I mean so... for me this is this is great because. Uh, I was saying on, I think, the last episode or the one before that really, like, I'm so I'm a father of two. It's me and my girlfriend. Um, so even before the pandemic, you know, social life pretty much cut off. <laughs> and now we're back yeah. in lockdown again. Basically, I've had to resort to starting up a podcast to book in a conversation <laughs> with one person every week. <laughs> I, I, I should do the same. You should. But yeah, because I'm also a comedian, right? right. So. I don't have any friends yes. to begin with. Yeah, people don't it's know this about like, comics, do they? We burn like, through friends like fucking petrol over wood. Uh, yeah, the bringers, yeah? Yeah. So that's what I was thinking is like my social life has become like a bringer event. I've now burned through all of my friends to go for walks or whatever. Yeah. And now just they're sick of me. So I just I sit at home and have nothing to do. It's yeah. not fun. I mean, if ever you feel too popular, what you should definitely do is go through four years of open mic comedy and, and then have a couple of kids and then go into a pandemic because that, I mean, that really clears them all out. That clears that does clear the slate of of, of friends. Indeed, throw a divorce in there. Oh, yes. The few that were left yeah. at the end of that, I guess, then you got to divvy them up. Yeah. Well, too bad we don't have time because I could just do my whole divorce set. I've got 20 minutes of, 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 of divorce jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, next time. We'll do – next time we'll next do time. like uh, this, auto this trading been... and, and crypto and, uh, and, and a bit of divorce as well. Yeah. But if we go back to the – I mean because that's my, that's my big area is, you know, this, this false narrative mm. that – 
is happening in the world right now. I've, I've, I think it's a lot more serious than a lot of people think, but yeah. that's because we've just seen yesterday yeah. what can happen. Yeah, and it's, um, it's one of these things where it's so gigantic when something like yesterday kicks off, uh, but you also have to kind of take a step back and go like, okay, well, we're obviously feeling very reactionary and very emotive about it all at the moment. So let's maybe take some time to digest and consume what took place. Um, the only issue mm -hmm. I have with that is that I always feel like it's people in the center and on the left who are expected to take time and understand and forgive and, and all that. Whereas on the right, I always feel like it's, it's like, oh yeah, just storm the capital. Yeah, burn this effigy of this person. Write, write a few death threats. Start up a Facebook group. It's all fine. They'll forgive you. Yeah, I tend to feel very much the same. Big disclaimer: I'm I'm very staunchly um, uh, a die in the wall liberal. Mm. Um, have been my whole life. So, yeah, I I see the value of. Hang on, let's all just breathe and take a moment and assess yeah um but yeah that's kind of the nihilist approach they just i think there's a lot of people that stormed yesterday that, that had nothing to do with the election nothing to do with anything but their bias is just they just want to burn everything down mm. and here they're being given a a pass they're being told go go burn it down so that's what they went and did sure um Okay, Richard Bryce, thank you so much for joining Thanks. us. I had a blast. Cheers. We'll see you next Bye. time. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>